0: Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and, more recently, venture capital in Africa.
1: And I am Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple. Increase the representation of women in the VC industry through awareness and engagement. So
0: join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in VC. Our guest today is Deborah Quadzo. Deborah is a managing partner at GSB Ventures and the co-founder at ASU GSB Summit. The summit, now in its thirteenth year, celebrates innovations and innovators across the global pre-K to grade learning and talent landscape. Debra has years of experience in the venture space and is on the board of numerous ed tech companies, degreed, outlier, create and learn being a few. Prior to GSV, she was the co-founder and president at Think Equity Partners and previously an MD in the Global Growth Group at Merrill Lynch, and assistant treasurer at J.P. Morgan. She holds a bachelor's from Princeton and MBA from Harvard Business School, which I'm very happy to have her on. Always happy to have Harvard Business School um, alumni on here. Thank you so much for being with us, Deborah.
2: Absolutely, delighted, delighted to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So I'll jump right in. Um, like I said in my intro, you started your career in banking first at J.P. Morgan, then for a little more than a decade at Merrill Lynch. Can you talk about that experience and how that translated to Think Equity Partners down the line?
2: Um, sure. I mean, I think I was, um, J.P. Morgan was right out of college. That was just a couple of years before I went back to business school. Um, and then I spent, I did spend 13 years at Merrill Lynch. Um, what, what, uh, in, and I went from there with a partner, um, a guy named Michael Moe, who I've worked with for 25 years, who really, um, who was a growth, who was a Wall Street growth strategist who really started, um, writing about education, technology, education, innovation back in the mid-1990s as being a, 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 looming, Growth category, so that was kind of how I got involved there. But um, we, you know, we spun out of Merrill Lynch uh, in uh, 2000, June of 2001, I believe, and. Um, and founded Think Equity Partners. The idea was we wanted to recreate a research-centric investment bank um, focused on growth categories, uh, growth you know growth sectors in the economy, um, including education, but everything from semiconductors to biotech. And so, that's um, it was it was uh, our kind of desire to 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 leave a bigger organization um, that you know had had a, had a big brand, but it was a big big bureaucratic. Company and see what we can do in terms of um, becoming founders ourselves and and uh, really start our own business um, in in the in the investment banking category at the time.
1: That's that's great to know. Thanks for sharing. Uh, curious to hear on why the transition to venture capital from there and how was the experience building a network of founders and investors in education technology.
2: Yeah, no, that that um, is interesting. One one of the sectors that um, that. It said Michael. Michael Mo had begun writing about education technology in the mid 1990s, and he had a thesis that um, much it was much like healthcare. Uh, the analog was to healthcare, the, the healthcare category. Because education was second largest um, portion of GDP, second only to healthcare. It was characterized by you know incredible fragmentation, massive dysfunction, little accountability, little account you know little application of technology. And yet it was such an important problem to solve, right? So it had, um, because it, the, the, the implications of delivering high quality education and skilling, you know, had, had w- would impact the future of not only individuals, but cities and countries and really the world, which is kind of where we, where we sit today. And um, so his thesis was, it had all the marking well, there were the, and all the markings of great dysfunction, and uh, it was it had the markings of a category that great entrepreneurs would want to jump into to actually solve, because the bigger the problem, um, the, the the bigger the opportunity for for folks who had who had great solutions. Um, and so that that was really um, that was the genesis of our beginning to build an education investment banking franchise um, and as we began to build that investment banking franchise um, we, we built it within think equity partners and then we sold think equity partners in 2007 left as soon as our non-competes came off because we learned the lesson that when you sell your company you don't own it anymore and um, uh, and it at, when we sold that business we start started what became uh, GSV which stands for global Silicon Valley and it was at that moment that I um, decided for that that I was really what really excited me and got me out of bed in the morning was focusing on this education technology education innovation sector for all the reasons that um, that I just described the category would be logically become a great growth category, it was you know, solving big problems. Um, and so I b- began to dedicate all of my all of my time um, to ed tech. And first with an first with an advisory practice. Um, then we 13 years ago, we started the ASU GSV summit partnering. we're very fortunate 13 years ago, it was not at all obvious some someone would want would want to partner with Arizona State University um, to do something like an, an ed innovation event? Um, ASU 13 years ago was not known for its academic prowess or its technological edge or anything like that. In fact, you know, they were the largest public university in the country, but they only had four technology partners and they wanted to partner, they probably have 4,000 now, um, but they wanted to partner with us to sort of, you know, move forward on this, the, you know, develop a reputation and develop expertise around um, the, the educa- education technology and really get into a forward position there. And it was really all of that that led um, to the to the venture capital piece. So as we began to build the ASU GSV summit, you know, this is start- starting 13 years ago, we began to invite, um, found ed tech founders to come present at the summit. And, you know, it started with, you know, 30 to 40. And then today it's, we'll have, we'll have over 600 um, ultimately ed tech startups at our summit coming up in April. But as we began to invite those, um, those, those founders from all over the world, we began to get inbound inquiry about making investments. And um, we had decided at that point that the sector was was not mature enough to to warrant a fund um, but we certainly began to think hard began to think hard about it um, about when the right time would be and um, and so since we didn't have a fund, I actually became a very active angel investor and um, you know ended up with 60 70 angel investments across the ed tech category um, turned out to be you know it turned out that portfolio was pretty good and, and the reason uh, you know it was it was Clear to us that while the category still wasn't perhaps deep or broad enough to support a fund, it was beginning to see um, a, a sort of a, a new a new version or a new um, crop with better business models, better more disruptive, become this really active angel investor. And then in 2016, um, we decided that it really it was time to to go ahead and, and jump into the water, um, the, the, the venture the venture fund waters, and um, I ended up taking 21 of the angel investments from my portfolio and, and um, my angel portfolio and contributing that to our first fund um, at, at cost. And um, just to, it, it really is a real marketing, as much as anything, since we hadn't, you know, it was a first time fund uh, wanted to show, potential LPs that, that we did have access to great companies, it was companies like Clever and Nearpod and, um, and uh, Turnitin, ultimately, which we got to through uh, them acquiring two of our uh, machine learning companies, um, to, to you know, Pluralsight, to Class Dojo, to uh, Degreed, etc. So it was, a, it was a pretty terrific portfolio. And um, that was, so that was really the road to getting into the venture capital business was really through, um, through, through a focus on the sector in investment banking that then became a, a convening um, in this ASU GSV summit that then became um, angel investing and then ultimately a, institutional, a series of institutional funds.
0: We often talk on the show about how venture capital is one of those industries that doesn't have a specific path or road to go in um, but I think it's the first time I've heard about the road from a summit to angel investing to actually realizing wait a minute this is actually a sector that you know has a lot of potential and I already have invested in 70 80 companies I think this would be a great venture capital right. business so that's uh, that's some great insights there and I want to stay on the topic of EdTech a little bit and talk about the summit that um, you mentioned uh, a while back. And like we know, it's become this huge event now. Um, it's very well known, and it brings together um, almost the who's who of, of education technology globally, actually. So my, um, I was curious to know um, what's been really your biggest takeaways from the summit in, in the last um, couple of years.
2: Yeah, well, it's, needless to say, it's been a, it's been an interesting couple of years with COVID, um, because it, it uh, we, it, we, and there was a Harvard Business School case study actually written about, about GSV, um, really on, on the COVID story, because it was um, uh, three weeks before the summit, we were actually in the Middle East, um, raising, raising money, and uh, that, that things began to shut down, and we had to make the call, we were actually, we were actually, kind of on the early side of making the call um we were three three weeks away from the live summit we actually had to make the call that we were gonna we were gonna have to move it move it virtual um so it it was it was an interesting it's been an interesting couple of years we moved it virtual in the fall of 2020 and then we did a live one a live um and then we did a series of virtual events actually through covid um both the big event as well as smaller smaller um what uh, video casts and then um we did it live again last august and then we decided to so we and we were able to have 3,500 people live um uh in san diego last august safely um happily uh and that, and now we're um and we decided we needed to move it back onto our regular schedule uh in april so we we expect to have um over we expect to sell out and have over 5,500 people so we're sort of back to normal what do i you know what what we're seeing is um you know, we, we, we float, you know, we work, we work on the, We have it, we float themes through our summit. So, um, our theme this year is, uh, Ed, Ed, on the edge. And, um, and, and that sits that theme sits under our overall mission, which is that all pe- all people deserve equal access to the future. And we believe equal access to the future can be, can be that, that, um, Scaled delivery of uh, learning and skilling is a, a critical piece of, of all people having equal access and uh, equality. Um, we, what we're seeing, what, we're, what we've obviously seen, is the rising tide of EdTech, um, Even though we couldn't, we couldn't meet physically as the tide began to rise, um, we, are, we are seeing it in this, in this summit this year. We are, we've never had such a high level of demand. For uh, program content, for program participants. It's actually been completely overwhelming, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> we're spending most of our time telling people we just don't have capacity. But um, so what we're seeing is a, is a uh, is the is the popu- is the growing population popularity of the sector, the, 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 the movement of the um, ed tech category into mainstream into mainstream, stream tech. Uh, it was always viewed as sort of a peripheral, more difficult sector, a sector that didn't have the ability to scale in the way that some other sectors like fintech or health tech or whatever did. Um, we saw capital, you know, capital went into the category at 20 billion, over 20 billion last year, which put it, you know, which was an unprecedented high. Uh, By a wide margin and um, put it on, you know, put it on pace for capital coming in uh, on a par with other with other tech sectors. Um, So what we've seen through the summit really is this this rising tide of interest. When we began it 13 years ago, you know, our first summit was sort of 350 people in a sweaty conference room in in um, in Arizona State's Sky Song facility in um, in uh, Scottsdale. Um, what you know, as I said today, this year we should, we expect over 5,500 people in San Diego, and um, so I think what you you can follow the trajectory of the summit and and as a trajectory of the of the rising tide or the rising. Um, um, embrace of education technology as being an important um, category. There also, you know, we also run threads of themes through. I mean, this year we'll have a, a big focus on mental health. Um, mental health has been a big factor, um, a, a big friction, uh, really for for. For all people but we're seeing it impact students in the k-12 system and the higher ed system um you know quite acutely the statistics are really just absolutely um devastating uh so we we'll, we actually have a surgeon general coming vivid um Vivit murthy who's uh, who's done a big piece on um, the the youth mental health crisis in And back in December, he's an extraordinary guy, Um, uh, and so we'll and we'll do a a thread around there. So that's kind of one of the threads. Learning learning loss will obviously be another big focus. The numbers, you know, that you know, devastating numbers keep coming out, uh, and will keep coming out for for quite a while about what what happened in this two years to students, particularly in the uh, pre K. 12 systems um, and what they, you know, what they have lost, the, the learning losses that have occurred, the cognitive IQ losses that have occurred. So lots of folks, so we, 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 we use the summit to thread um, themes and, and areas that people are focusing on to solve. Um, and uh, there's been, you know, been a lot of activity in the, in the learning, learning loss category around comp- company, um virtual tutoring companies, et cetera, that are um, scaling quite rapidly, looking to try to solve those, those issues for students. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a it's been a I'd say the summit it's been a barometer of uh, the the rising interest in ed tech. Um, it's been it's been fun to be there. Uh, it was it was um, you know it was it was a small group of us when it started. It was not it was a, it was a, um, a small little um, a community uh, that that all cared deeply about solving these problems. Um, and uh, and now it's great to see that 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 community is quite large and quite you know quite global. Um, and uh, in, that we're seeing great solutions coming in from all over the world.
1: It definitely sounds exciting, and it's actually pretty well managed. Like uh, having been a part of uh, the summit in our own small capacities, like both Rishvina and I, we've uh, been judges to the initial Perfect. rounds of screening that uh, you know the summit gets, and the quality of uh, companies we've seen in themselves are you know pretty amazing in itself. And we know that we would be one of the few hundred judges that. You know, are seeing those thousands of co- companies coming in and applying for the summit. So not just is it massive in terms of uh, the scale that you're reaching, but also it's pretty well managed. Uh, you know, I probably will be in San Diego in the coming uh, in this coming summit. Oh, so good, I'm excited about good, that as good. well. I think we'll
2: have, I think we'll <laughs> yeah. have a, a good HBS contingent, actually.
1: That's amazing, and uh, I love the theme. Like you mentioned about Ed on the Edge, I think it sounds super appealing and extremely contextual in this context. And just building a little bit on that um you know the last two years obviously because of the pandemic in in more good hopefully than bad ways there has been a ton of focus on edtech solutions um especially the ability to move to a remote setting and have a more effective education system hopefully garnering more reach uh, but questions around, again, you know, um, uh, is everybody able to afford that? Is everybody, you know, well, do they have well infrastructure to afford it and stuff? But curious to hear your thoughts on some of the trends that you're seeing in this sector, given the pandemic. Um, and what do you think the sector will look like in the next?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the what happened was, you know, a billion six students were really overnight thrust, as my, my partner, Michael Mo says, uh, thrust in the deep end of the um, online learning pool and forced to either you know swim or get out swim or or um, or, or or not or sink to the bottom and um, it 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 forced a lot I mean it was basically it a, caused a lot of habit change that was already in the works I and mean, you know, certainly in the higher ed space you would already seen um, just be, you know a big you know very material movement online because. In emerging countries, the demand for on, for higher education, it, you know, well exceeds any physical facilities that are available. So you have to do it. Um, you have to have a large portion of that being done online. In 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 developed countries like the U.S., you know, it, the the demand for higher education really is moving into the workforce um, because uh, as as the 70% of working adults who don't have a college degree, um, and and yet need one because it's, as jobs change and jobs up job obsolescence occurs, if you want to have career mobility, you're going to have to get some kind of credential. Um, And that for working adults, it's not feasible to go back to, you know, to a four-year site-based university with, you know, a dormitory and a marching band. So, um, so a lot of those trends are already happening, but obviously COVID just, just accelerated all of that, you know, dramatically for, and same thing in the workforce where um, I think you, you, you won't, you won't see, I think, online learning and training and skilling um, will stay will stay online and hybrid. I think in, into perpetuity. For, it certainly moved, you know, a whole lot of habit. Formation there as well, you know. It caused faculty. I mean, they were. I mean, Harvard Business School. They tell you that most, of, you know, most the vast majority of faculty had no experience teaching online until until COVID. They've now all got experience teaching online. Um, I guess Harvard, the university itself, has taken has done some polling and found that 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 while there was a lot of resistance at the beginning, um, a lot, you know, that, that there's really a, resou- a resounding embrace of wanting to integrate. Um, many of the things that they that that were learned in the online teaching experience and into the live classroom when they go when they go back so um, and I think for and for k-12 I think we we saw we found a lot of you know a lot of the issues uh, such as we thought you know sure schools are wired but homes are not necessarily wired and how do we get uh, how do we get devices and um, broadband access to students at home here in the U.S. at at least and um, and so how do we get how do we get um, lower income students, you know, general access to the ability to learn to learn at home because you know you actually spend the majority of your time at home, and so there's a real equality issue around that. So I think that what we you know we just saw a lot of habit change, and um, and I think that that's um, that's going to have a permanent impact. I think certainly there will be some some companies that have that that have pullback, and we've already seen some of that where you know when, when as students go back to um, physical. Physical activities, um, and are no longer we're no longer all you know tied up at our homes. I think you you will see some companies that were catering perhaps to an upper income um, a piece of the business of of the of the economy um, have some some pullback as uh, as as people begin to 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 make to make tradeoffs on on wanting to do things physically versus online. But I think in general, we've seen across the category, um, just an incredible change in habit um, and and a realization that you could have very high quality learning experiences um, online or a a realization that being able to, for a K-12 student to, to be able to take learning home over the summer, over the weekend, in the evening and be able to do, you know, have a digital experience synchronously or asynchronously. Um, is, is a good thing, um, and will and actually will be a needed thing as
1: we look to 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 recapture some learning loss. On the on when we looked at the the team page at GSV, uh, just changing gears and talking about you know the journey at GSV, we've we've noticed that uh, the team page at the GSV uh, you know tells a great diversity story, um, which is not the case unfortunately in most VC firms. Um, why do you think that GSV has been able to form such a diverse team, including women in leadership roles?
2: Well, and yeah, it ha- It helps if you have a woman founder. Um, I, I think that that um, that's a good start. Uh, we had um, I we had we had a we had a 50-50 um, investment committee uh, until my 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 dear friend and, and uh, uh, partner Julia um was on our. Our second, our second fund, and um, and then she she got so excited about what was happening in ed tech. She's got, she went back out to to fi- to found a new company that we we very um, very excited to have backed. Um, so we've had we've had a really nice movement of of um, really talent, you know, diverse set of talented people in and out of the um, in and out of the franchise. I. Um, it's also fun. It's also fun that we're adding real. We're, you know, we're adding international diversity as well. We've added um, a, a number of uh, of. Um, Uh, folks in fact some a number of our summer our summer team from the India market Um, we have uh, we have a fellow on the ground um, Abhishek who's who's heading to Sloan next year he's been fantastic working for us on the ground in India Um, so yeah we just we're we we care a lot about it we've we we added an incredible head of people at impact Tiffany Taylor who joined us um, last August, uh, right before the summit. And, um, Tiffany came from Teach for America and brings with her in, in that, you know, Teach for America, it was just a, an incredible leadership factory. And she brought with her, um, a deep seated, uh, um, you know, belief in, in, um, in equality and in diver- the importance of the power of what we call the power of diversity. And so we keep, you know, we, we keep trying to add to our team. We're, we're, you know, we're not, not perfectly there yet for sure but um but i but uh, and but we think about it every day and and um and, uh, and it's just a, it's just part of our our dna i'd say is that we um we think it's you know truly important to elevate um to uh to, to that that we will make better decisions the more diverse it, our our group is and that includes you know demographics so we need young people i mean we're you know we need we need we need we need a broad set of 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 sort of brains because um, because uh, you know Gen Z is and Gen uh, is going to drive a lot of consumer behavior here going forward. Um, so it's important that we have representation globally. It's important that we have representation demographically, racially, um, etc. So um, we just you know it's just it's just going to make for better decisions.
0: Absolutely and. Um, just to end this conversation and staying on the same topic um, what advice would you have for um, aspiring female investors especially those who might not have as much experience in industry before but really want to explore venture capital
2: yeah I mean my advice would be, I mean, it, it, you know, the best thing in the world is when you happen to end up doing something that you're crazy, you know, that, that aligns with your passion. And when when we sold Think Equity Partners and started what became GSV, I mean, I had just decided that I was incredibly passionate about the power of education, innovation, education, technology to change the world. And um, and so I decided that spending all my time um, in doing, you know, philanthropic work in education, as well as um, investing activity in education was, was what was going to really, really going to get me out of bed every morning and make me excited for, um, for, for my, you know, in my professional life. So one, I would say align with your passions and, and if, and if your passion, if you're, as we like to call it, if you're a company junkie, if you, if you love, I mean, if you love companies and you love meeting with entrepreneurs and you love studying business models and you love uh, and, you know, you, if you could speak to 15 companies every day, if that, if you've got that kind of, uh, if that excites you, then you probably are onto something as it relates to venture capital. Um, It really does take an innate curiosity and, um, uh, and, 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 uh, you know, high-velocity High, high—a desire to have high velocity curiosity um, around, uh, you know, around different topics. Hold two seconds to uh, uh, to really be a good venture capitalist. And um, so, I I think one, you need to sort of talk to yourself and make sure that your that your own um, sort of passions and skills align. Because I mean, it's, I think sometimes venture capital sounds sexier than it is. I mean, you really do have to have. Um, a, you know just a just an absolute curiosity you want to understand trends and themes you want to understand what web 3 is you want to understand what the impact the metaverse is going to have you want to understand what you know everything that's kind of coming along you, you, you want to understand how that is going to impact um, what's going on in um, a sector you're passionate about so my advice would be um, to be to, to really look you know look yourself in the in the mirror and, and make sure that's kind of what you know what what really does turn you on and you um, and if it does, uh, then you know I think there are lots of opportunities to join firms um, uh, that you know maybe sector focused like we are, or maybe more generalist firms. Um, I think it's a you know it's a it's 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 incredible. You know it's it's it, for me it's incredibly fun. I mean there's nothing nothing more fun than talking to a great entrepreneur. Um, you know it's there's also the, the the hard part of telling a great entrepreneur that you're not going to invest. Um, that's you know so there's it's it's not it's not all fun. Um, uh, it, it, it's it's uh, it's can be heartbreaking too, but um, but for the most part, it's uh, it it it's it's what excites me every day and, and gets me out of bed. And I think it, it, if that aligns with the way you you think, um, and, and, you're, uh, and you're fascinated by by business models and what makes something scale, then um, then you should uh, go out, you know, be tenacious and 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 go after opportunities because because they're, de- they're definitely out there.
0: That's some really great advice. Deborah, thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time to share your experience and your wisdom um, and all your insights on ed tech so far. Thank you so much for being on the show. All
2: right, thank you. Thank you, Thank you both. Bye. Thank you.